below. It's time for go to bed. We are here listening to the music that you're not supposed to listen to. But you kind of have to. Because it's there. You can just hear it but if you want. You can just hear it without listening to it, you're saying? Yeah. Yeah, I try to do that. Just like that it's Daisy Sour Cream commercial. It's, it's like those pictures in the 90s. The poster you were supposed to look at but not really look at. With an unfocused eye. Those were ridiculous. Thank God they don't have those anymore. I never could do them and I always felt bad. Look at it without looking at it. Think about it without thinking about it. So how's your day been, Kenny Pick? Kenny Pick, Kenny Pick? Uh, it's okay. So, weather's oh, pleasant. It is pleasant out. It's a nice, pleasant day. Yeah. Yeah. Tennessee's napping. Shouldn't oh, he's a name. napaholic. He's good at it. He's happy because I watched The Comforter last night. Yeah, that's smart of you. He never wants to leave it. We won't leave it until it's totally covered in fur. <laughs> and then we wash it again. But, yeah, so we've got some stories, huh? Yeah, we, uh, we're going to continue on with our uh, Ozma of Oz with chapters 11 and 12 today. We are going to cut back how much Wormwood Forest we play on the show because there are not a lot of episodes and we want to make the goodness last. So we're going to yeah. do one Wormwood Forest. We're going to go back to Let's Pretend and get hit some episodes that we haven't heard before. So we got to Let's Pretend. Um, did you miss Let's Pretend? I, I don't know if I? you did, but I kind of did. I love it. So Good. I'm glad. And then we're doubling up. Because there's like 138 episodes, 138 episodes of Jerry of the Circus, so we're gonna double up since last week Suze was left wanting more after the cliffhanger of Jerry being put in the slammer. I know, like that's weird. You know, you don't put a like. How old is he again? He's like not even 12, right? I thought he was like. That's nine. not right. Yeah. How much? How nine. old do you think he is? I think I thought he was nine. You can't put a nine-year-old in the slammer. Well, he didn't pay That's his rent. Insane. Put him in debtor's prison. That's insane. The child, child is legally obligated to pay for his dead father's bills. No, no, he's not. <laughs> That's, That's what I'm crazy. trying to tell AT and T. So, um, yeah. and um, yeah. So we, so uh, so double Oz. Uh, the, the Oz. Uh, by the way. I don't know how they decided upon this, but the people who did the dramatic reading of Oz, um, they switched it up and other people started doing the narration other than the guy that we're used to. It's still the same version, but all they got the chapter 11 is read by a woman and uh, chapter 12 is read by another dude. Uh, trap chapter 12 is written by another, I'm sorry, read by another dude. <laughs> yeah. So, um, 
so yeah, so that's uh, it's it's you know I think it's a lot of a lot of the same people, but as many people know, LibriVox when they do they, they do collaborative things, they'll put together like a volume of stories or short stories or you know have people read chapters of a book or whatever, and yeah. it'll be a different person on every chapter or every individual story. Sure. It's basically you know they start a new project and they're like first come first serve. Although, I don't know how they did the big collaborative one, like, you do this character, I'll do that, and then whoever does the narration for whenever. But the guy who narrated the first half of Osmo of Oz, um, he doesn't narrate these next two chapters. So, uh, maybe he shows up as a character, I don't know. It's a darn shame. Maybe maybe so, something happened. I got used to his voice. Yeah, so, I like it. But, and, you know. Yeah. So, and thank you. The, the story! Uh, for, for the birthday wishes, everyone. Yeah. Ken is going through his 16th birthday. Yeah. Yep. Our marriage is a sham because she's she's much older than me. It's all lies. He's over 21. <laughs> I mean, he's over 21, but I'm, I'm just I'd not going to say the age. I'd say 26. Just, I'm, I'm 50. I don't care. Yeah. It's... I don't feel it's hard to be 50. I still feel like a kid at heart. So, all right. I uh, think and, Foxfire uh, and living in Long Island are going through cream of wheat withdrawal. Yep. This is not a cream of wheat episode. It's from an LP. It might not be, but we got, but we, we got, got a, a story for you. And we got a tease, so. a kiddo teaser, uh, uh, higher up in the comments too. Oh, cool. So, looks like he's biting onto cool, a cool. coat hanger. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, awesome. All right. Uh, so, are we ready to go ahead and start? Um, Let's do it. Osmo Let's Boss, do it. Chapter 11. With new and improved narration, maybe. Chapter 11 of Osmo of Oz. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Ozma of Oz by L. Frank Baum Chapter 11 The Gnome King By and by, when they drew near to the mountain that blocked their path, and which was the furthermost edge of the kingdom of Ev, the way grew dark and gloomy for the reason that the high peaks on either side shut out the sunshine. And it was very silent, too, as there were no birds to sing or squirrels to chatter, the trees being left far behind them and only the bare rocks remaining. Ozma and Dorothy were a little awed by the silence, and all the others were quiet and grave except the sawhorse, which as it trotted along with the scarecrow upon its back, hummed a queer song of which this was the chorus. Would a wooden horse in a woodland go? I, I, I sigh he would, although had he not a wooden head, he'd mount the mountain top instead. But no one paid any attention to this, because they were now close to the Gnome King's dominions, and his splendid underground palace could not be very far away. Suddenly they heard a shout of jeering laughter and stopped short. They would have to stop in a minute anyway, for the huge mountain barred their further progress, and the path ran close up to the wall of the rock and ended. Who was that laughing? asked Ozma. 
There was no reply, but in the gloom they could see strange forms flit across the face of the rock. Whatever their creations might be, they seemed very like the rock itself, for they were a color of the rocks, and their shape were as raw and rugged as if they had been broken away from the side of the mountain. They kept close to the steep cliff, facing our friends and gliding up and down, and this way and that, with a lack of regularity that was quite confusing. And they seemed not to need places to rest their feet, but clung to the surface of the rock as a fly does to a window pane, and were never still for a moment. Do not mind them, said Tick-Tock, as Dorothy shrank back. They are only the gnomes. And what are gnomes? asked the girl, half frightened. They are rock fairies and serve the gnome king, replied the machine. But they will do us no harm. You must call for the king, because without him you can never find the entrance to the palace. You call, said Dorothy to Ozma. Just then the gnomes laughed again, and the sound was so weird and disheartening that twenty-six officers commanded the private to write about face, and they all started to run as fast as they could. The tin woodman at once pursued his army and cried, Halt! And when they had stopped their flight, he asked, Where are you going? I, I, I've forgotten the brush for my whiskers, said the general, trembling with fear. So we're going back after it. That is impossible, replied the tin woodman. For the giant with the hammer would kill you all if you tried to pass him. Oh, I had forgotten the giant, said the general, turning pale. You seem to forget a good many things, remarked the tin woodman. I hope you won't forget that you are brave men. Never, cried the general, slapping his gold-embroidered chest. Never, cried all the other officers, indignantly slapping their chests. For my part, said the private meekly, I must obey my officers. So when I am told to run, I run. When I am told to fight, I fight. That is right, agreed the tin woodman. And now you must all come back to Ozma and obey her orders. And if you try to run away again, I will have her reduce all the twenty-six officers to privates and make the private your general. This terrible threat so frightened them that they at once returned to where Ozma was standing beside the cowardly lion. Then Ozma cried out in a loud voice, I demand that the Gnome King appear to us. There was no reply except that the shifting gnomes upon the mountain laughed in derision. You must not command the Gnome King, said Tick-Tock, for you do not rule him as you do your own people. So Ozma called again, saying, I request the Gnome King to appear to us. Only the mocking laughter replied to her, and the shadowy gnomes continued to flit here and there upon the rocky cliff. Try entreaty, said Tick-Tock to Ozma. If he will not come at your request, then the Gnome King may listen to your pleading. Ozma looked around her proudly. Do you wish your ruler to plead with this wicked Gnome King? 
she asked. Shall Ozma of Oz humble herself to a creature who lives in an underground kingdom? No! No! They all shouted with big voices, and the scarecrow added, If he will not come, we will dig him out of his hole like a fox and conquer his stubbornness. But our sweet little ruler must always maintain her dignity, just as I maintain mine. I'm not afraid to plead with him, said Dorothy. I'm only a little girl from Kansas, and we've got more dignity at home than we know what to do with. I'll call the Gnome King. Do, said the hungry tiger. And if he makes hash of you, I'll willingly eat you for breakfast tomorrow morning. So Dorothy stepped forward and said, Please, Mr. Gnome King, come here and see us. The gnomes started to laugh again, but a low growl came from the mountain, and in a flash they had all vanished from sight and were silent. Then a door in the rock opened, and a voice cried, Enter! Isn't it a trick? asked the tin woodman. Never mind, replied Ozma. We came here to rescue the poor queen of Ev and her ten children, and we must run some risks to do so. The Gnome King is honest and good-natured, said Tick-Tock. You can trust him to do what is right. So Ozma led the way, hand in hand with Dorothy, and they passed through the arched doorway of rock and entered a long passage which was lighted by jewels set in the walls and having lamps behind them. There was no one to escort them or to show them the way, but all the party pressed through the passage until they came to a round domed cavern that was grandly furnished. In the center of this room was a throne carved out of a solid boulder of rock, rude and rugged in shape, but glittering with great rubies and diamonds and emeralds on every part of its surface. And upon the throne sat the Gnome King. This important monarch of the underground world was a little fat man clothed in grey-brown garments that were the exact color of the rock throne in which he was seated. His bushy hair and flowing beard were also colored like the rocks, and so was his face. He wore no crown of any sort, and his only ornament was a broad, jewel-studded belt that encircled his fat little body. As for his features, they seemed kindly and good-humored, and his eyes were turned merrily upon his visitors as Ozma and Dorothy stood before him with their followers ranged in close order behind them. Why, he looks just like Santa Claus, only he isn't the same color, whispered Dorothy to her friend. But the Gnome King heard the speech, and it made him laugh aloud. He had a red face and a round little belly that shook when he laughed like a bowl full of jelly, quoth the monarch in a pleasant voice and they could all see that he really did shake like jelly when he laughed. Both Ozma and Dorothy were much relieved to find the Gnome King so jolly, and a minute later he waved his right hand, and the girls each found a cushioned stool at their side. "'Sit down, my dears,' said the King, "'and tell me why you've come all this way to see me, and what I can do to make you happy.' While they seated themselves, the Gnome King picked up a pipe, and taking glowing red coal out of his pocket, he placed it in a bowl of a pipe and began puffing out clouds of smoke that curled in rings above his head. Dorothy thought this made the little monarch look more like Santa Claus than ever, but Ozma now began speaking, and everyone listened intently to her words. "'Your Majesty,' said she, "'I am the ruler of the land of Oz, 
and I have come here to ask you to release the good Queen of Ev and her ten children, whom you have enchanted and hold as your prisoners. Oh no, you are mistaken about that, replied the king. They are not my prisoners, but my slaves, whom I purchased from the king of Ev. But that was wrong, said Ozma. According to the laws of Ev, the king can do no wrong, answered the monarch, eyeing a ring of smoke he had just blown from his mouth. So that he had a perfect right to sell his family to me in exchange for a long life. You cheated him, though, declared Dorothy. For the king of Ev did not have a long life. He jumped into the sea and was drowned. That was not my fault, said the Gnome King, crossing his legs and smiling contentedly. I gave him the long life all right, but he destroyed it. Then how could it be a long life? asked Dorothy. Easily enough, was the reply. Now suppose, my dear, that I gave you a pretty doll in exchange for a lock of your hair, and that after you had received the doll you smashed it into pieces and destroyed it. Could you say that I had not given you a pretty doll? No, answered Dorothy. And could you, in fairness, ask me to return to you the lock of hair just because you smashed the doll? No, said Dorothy again. Of course not. The Gnome King returned. Nor will I give up the Queen and her children, because the King of Ev destroyed his long life by jumping into the sea. They belong to me, and I shall keep them. But you are treating them cruelly, said Ozma, who was much distressed by the King's refusal. In what way? he asked. By making them your slaves, said she. Cruelty, remarked the monarch puffing out wreaths of smoke, and watching them float into the air. It's a thing I can't abide. So, as slaves must work hard, and the Queen of Ev and her children were delicate and tender, I transformed them all into articles of ornament and bric-a-brac, and scattered them around the various rooms of my palace. Instead of being obligated to labor, they merely decorate my apartments, and I really think I have treated them with great kindness. But what a dreadful fate is theirs, exclaimed Ozma earnestly. And the kingdom of Ev is in great need of its royal family to govern it. If you will liberate them and restore them to their proper forms, I will give you ten ornaments to replace each one you lose. The Gnome King looked grave. Suppose I refuse, he asked. Then, said Ozma firmly, I am here with my friends and my army to conquer your kingdom and oblige you to obey my wishes. The Gnome King laughed until he choked, and he choked until he coughed, and he coughed until his face turned from grayish-brown to bright red, and then he wiped his eyes with a rock-colored handkerchief and grew grave again. You are as brave as you are pretty, my dear, he said to Ozma. But you have little idea of the extent of the task you have undertaken. Come with me for a moment. He arose and took Ozma's hand, leading her to a little door at one side of the room. This he opened, and they stepped out upon a balcony, from whence they obtained a wonderful view of the underground world. A vast cave extended for miles and miles under the mountain, and in every direction were furnaces and forges glowing brightly, and gnomes hammering upon precious metals or polishing gleaming jewels. All around the walls of the cave were thousands of doors of silver and gold, 
built into the solid rock, and these extended and rose far away into the distance as far as Ozma's eye could follow them. While the little maid from Oz gazed wonderingly upon the scene, the Gnome King uttered a shrill whistle, and at once all the silver and gold doors flew open and solid ranks of Gnome soldiers marched out from every one. So great were their numbers that they quickly filled the immense underground cavern and forced the busy workmen to abandon their tasks. Although this tremendous army consisted of rock-colored gnomes, all squat and fat, they were clothed in glittering armor of polished steel inlaid with beautiful gems. Upon his brow each wore a brilliant electric light, and they bore sharp spears and swords and battle-axes of solid bronze. It was evident they were perfectly trained, for they stood in straight rows, rank after rank, with their weapons held erect and true, as if awaiting but the word of command to level them upon their foes. This, said the Gnome King, is but a small part of my army. No ruler upon earth has ever dared to fight me, and no ruler ever will, for I am too powerful to oppose. He whistled again, and at once the martial array filed through the silver and gold doorways and disappeared, after which the workmen again resumed their labors at the furnaces. Then, sad and discouraged, Ozma of Oz turned to her friends, and the Gnome King calmly reseated himself on his rock throne. It would be foolish for us to fight, the girl said to the Tin Woodman, for our brave twenty-seven would be quickly destroyed. I'm sure I do not know how to act in this emergency. Ask the king where his kitchen is, suggested the tiger. I'm hungry as a bear. I might pounce on the king and tear him in pieces, remarked the cowardly lion. Try it, said the monarch, lighting his pipe with another hot coal which he took from his pocket. The lion crouched low and tried to spring upon the gnome king, but he hopped only a little way into the air and came down again in the same place, not being able to approach the throne by even an inch. It seems to me, said the scarecrow thoughtfully, that our best plan is to wheedle his majesty into giving up his slaves, since he is too great a magician to oppose. This is the most sensible thing any of you have suggested, declared the Gnome King. It is folly to threaten me, but I am so kind-hearted that I cannot stand coaxing or wheedling. If you really wish to accomplish anything by your journey, my dear Ozma, you must coax me. Very well, said Ozma more cheerfully. Let us be friends and talk this over in a friendly manner. To be sure, agreed the king, his eyes twinkling merrily. I am very anxious, she continued to liberate the Queen of Ev and her children, who are now ornaments in bric-a-brac in your majesty's palace, and to restore them to their people. Tell me, sir, how this may be accomplished. The king remained thoughtful for a moment, after which he asked, Are you willing to take a few chances and risk yourself in order to set free the people of Ev? Yes, indeed, answered Ozma eagerly. Then, said the Gnome King, I will make you this offer. You shall go alone and unattended into my palace and examine carefully all that the rooms contain. Then you shall have permission to touch eleven different objects, pronouncing at the time the word Ev, and if any one of them, or more than one, 
proves to be the transformation of the Queen of Ev or any of her ten children, then they will instantly be restored to their true forms and may leave the palace and my kingdom in your company without any objection whatsoever. It is possible for you, in this way, to free the entire eleven, but if you do not guess all the objects correctly and some of the slaves remain transformed, then each one of your friends and followers may in turn enter the palace and have the same privilege I grant you. Oh, thank you. Thank you for this kind offer, said Ozma eagerly. I make but one condition, added the Gnome King, his eyes twinkling. What is it? she inquired. If none of the eleven objects you touch proves to be the transformation of any of the royal family of Ev, then, instead of freeing them, you will yourself become enchanted and transformed into an article of bric-a-brac or an ornament. This is only fair and just, and is the risk you declared you were willing to take. End of chapter 11 There you go. So yeah, now you guys know. Family of Ev was transformed into brick-brac, ornaments, knick-knacks, paddy-whack. And that's... Would you would you take the risk? Well, I think there's probably some deduction that's going to happen as to what uh, you know what the items are and and whether or not they can figure out which is a royal family member and which isn't. Exactly, and they they, they go go in and they uh, they try to use logic and and stuff like that. But if you don't pick the right one, then you get turned into an ornament. So it, a brick brack. So now the the uh, uh, I think Foxfire commented on this. I think TikTok uh, kind of blew it with trusting this uh, gnome king. Uh, in what what way? Didn't he say that the king was honest and fair in the beginning? Yeah, that was weird. I don't I don't understand that. He seems to be a good judge of character in the past, and I'm kind of confused about the whole ordeal. Um, I think the gnome king is awful. And um, he keeps slaves and he keeps, you know, I mean, I'm not sure why TikTok said that. So, whatever. I don't know. I think Foxfire said he missed the memo or something or he blew it. Yeah, he might have missed the memo. I don't know. Maybe he's got a little rust in some of his gears that's clouding his judgment. (laughs) But yeah, this is, uh, this is, uh, like, I think they get, I think there are 12, like there are... Eleven children of Eve, or I think there's twelve choices you get. Of Ev, you get twelve choices of Ev. Yeah, Eve, Ev. But um, you get twelve choices to see if you can find one. So. Well, the chapter is called. Uh, let me see. The next chapter. Uh, the eleven guesses. The eleven guesses. Yeah. So yeah. there's eleven, including the. Ten children and then the mother. Would you do it? Would you do it? I guess... Um, to try to save them? I guess. Uh, you know. Yeah. I mean, that's a tough, tough question. It's it's a, like, it is a tough question. Or, you know, if you screw it up... Yep. You're you a, screw it you up. Know, you're a humble figurine for the rest of your life. 
Exactly. Worse than a hump. Well, actually, they're they're cute. They're cute little knickknacks. They. I'm explain. sure they're much nicer than you know precious moments. Yeah. You always confuse Hummels with Precious Moments. No, I don't. I just precious hate them both. Precious Moments is awful. I just hate them awful. both. Awful. You just hate them both. Equally. At least Hummels are the OG knickknacks. I'll give them that. That's all I'll give them. All right, are we ready for chapter uh, chapter 12? The 11 guesses? Oh, yeah. Let's do it. Let's do it. We have It's a yeah. short one. Here you go. Chapter 12 of Ozma of Oz. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Ozma of Oz by L. Frank Baum. Chapter 12. The Eleven Guesses. Hearing this condition imposed by the Gnome King, Ozma became silent and thoughtful, and all her friends looked at her uneasily. "'Don't you do it!' exclaimed Dorothy. "'If you guess wrong, you will be enslaved yourself!' "'But I shall have eleven guesses,' answered Ozma. "'Surely I ought to guess one object in eleven correctly, and if I do, I shall rescue one of the royal family and be saved myself.' Then the rest of you may attempt it, and soon we shall free all of those who are enslaved. What if we fail? inquired the Scarecrow. I'd look nice as a piece of bric-a-brac, wouldn't I? We must not fail, cried Ozma courageously. Having come all this distance to free these poor people, it would be weak and cowardly in us to abandon the adventure. Therefore, I will accept the Gnome King's offer and go at once into the royal palace. Come along then, my dear, said the king, climbing down from his throne with some difficulty, because he was so fat. I'll show you the way. He approached the wall of the cave and waved his hand. Instantly an opening appeared, through which Ozma, after a smiling farewell to her friends, boldly passed. She found herself in a splendid hall, that was more beautiful and grand than anything she had ever beheld. The ceilings were composed of great arches that rose far above her head, and all the walls and floors were of polished marble, exquisitely tinted in many colors. Thick velvet carpets were on the floor, and heavy silken draperies covered the arches leading to the various rooms of the palace. The furniture was made of rare old woods, richly carved and covered with delicate satins and the entire palace was lighted by a mysterious rosy glow that seemed to come from no particular place, but flooded each apartment with its soft and pleasing radiance. Ozma passed from one room to another, greatly delighted by all she saw. The lovely palace had no other occupant, for the Gnome King had left her at the entrance, which closed behind her, and in all the magnificent rooms there appeared to be no other person. Upon the mantels, and on many shelves, and brackets, and tables, were clustered ornaments of every description, seemingly made out of all sorts of metals, glass, china, stones, and marble. There were vases, and figures of men and animals, and graven platters, and bowls, and mosaics of precious gems, and many other things. Pictures, too, were on the wall and the underground palace was quite a museum of rare and curious and costly objects. 
After her first hasty examination of the rooms, Ozma began to wonder which of all the numerous ornaments they contained were the transformations of the royal family of Ev. There was nothing to guide her, for everything seemed without a spark of life. So she must guess blindly, and the first time the girl came to realize how dangerous was her task, and how likely she was to lose her own freedom in striving to free others from the bondage of the Gnome King. No wonder the cunning monarch laughed good-naturedly with his visitors, when he knew how easily they might be entrapped. But Ozma, having undertaken the venture, would not abandon it. She looked at a silver candelabra that had ten branches, and thought, this may be the queen of Ev and her ten children. So she touched it, and uttered aloud the word, Ev, as the Gnome King had instructed her to do when she guessed. But the candelabra remained as it was before. Then she wandered into another room, and touched a china lamb, thinking it might be one of the children she sought. But again she was unsuccessful. Three guesses, four guesses, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and ten she made, and still not one of them was right. The girl shivered a little, and grew pale even under the rosy light, for now but one guest remained, and her own fate depended upon the result. She resolved not to be hasty, and strolled through all the rooms once more, gazing earnestly upon the various ornaments, and trying to decide which she would touch. Finally, in despair, she decided to leave it entirely to chance. She faced the doorway of a room, shut her eyes tightly, and then, thrusting aside the heavy draperies, she advanced blindly with her right arm outstretched before her. Slowly, softly, she crept forward, until her hand came in contact with an object upon a small round table. She did not know what it was, but in a low voice she pronounced the word, Ev. The rooms were quite empty of life after that. The Gnome King had gained a new ornament, for upon the edge of the table rested a pretty grasshopper that seemed to have been formed from a single emerald. It was all that remained of Ozma of Oz. In the throne room just beyond the palace, the Gnome King suddenly looked up and smiled. Next, he said in his pleasant voice. Dorothy, the Scarecrow, and the Tin Woodman, who had been sitting in anxious silence, each gave a start of dismay and stared into one another's eyes. Has she failed? asked Tick-Tock. So it seems, answered the little monarch cheerfully. But that is no reason one of you should not succeed. The next may have twelve guesses instead of eleven, for there are now twelve persons transformed into ornaments. Well, well. Which of you goes next? I'll go, said Dorothy. Not so, replied the Tin Woodman. As commander of Ozma's army, it is my privilege to follow her and attempt her rescue. Away you go, then, said the Scarecrow. But be careful, old friend. I will. Promised the Tin Woodman, and then he followed the Gnome King to the entrance to the palace, and the rock closed behind him. End of chapter 12 Recording by David Lawrence In Brampton, Ontario August 2009
Speaking of cliffhangers, huh? Yeah, yeah. Who went in? I, I, I blinked. Dorothy. Dorothy was going in next? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a nightmare. It's a nightmare. But Be yeah. sure to tune in next episode and find out if Dorothy gets turned into a brick a brick or self on a shelf. <laughs> oh. Self on a shelf. That's awesome. Uh, I was trying to do like the Rocky and Bullwinkle thing, you know. Yeah, that's I'm good. I'm going to do different titles. You're trying to be uh, that the voice of God. Oh. I can't think of his name now, and I know his name. William Conrad. No. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. That's he has to show at three in the morning, right? Cannon. Cannon, yeah, Cannon. Yeah. Our so, friend Cannon. He was a narrator of Rocky and Bullwinkle. Yes, he was. Uh, yeah, so tune in next time <laughs> or self on a shelf. Anyway, I saw so many elf on a shelf, uh, things in, in the, uh, in the gifts that we were looking at because I was looking for <laughs> bric-a-brac and de decor and stuff. Yeah, I don't, I like the, the concept of the elf on the shelf, but I like the old elf on the shelf. They're just mm -hmm. elves. They're not yeah. on the shelf. There's no story about them. No, no yeah. special, no special story. Uh, they just, you know, we didn't have to, you know, be told what every ornament was. We had our own imagination when we were children, and you know, yeah, we didn't have to have a dumb, you know, uh, story force-fed to us via CGI or whatever. Yeah. But I'll tell you what, kids nowadays. They get put in jail as soon All as they get found. All these confounded video games, they don't have to use their imagination anymore. <laughs> That's right. Riding around on their their scooters. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, everything's, everything's getting to, you know, we're just getting... Hmm, how do I explain it? Um, This is suspense. This is a this lot is. of suspense. This is. But and I'm excited it. about Jerry. Is Jerry in the circus next? No, Worm, worm of oh, Course is, is, is next. I want to know so. about Jerry in the circus. I want to know what happened. Well, to let's next. take a breather. Let's take a breather from one suspenseful ending and go to a complete story with Wormwood Forest. Then we'll do Let's Pretend and then we'll get nice. to Jerry in the Circus. Cool, cool, so, cool. Yeah, you told me the order. So. I, I'm sorry. I messed it up. Hey, but. hey, what do you say? Or, yeah. hey, hey, don't run away. Yeah. I don't know. Wormwood, Wormwood Forest. Forest. Here's the jingle uh, with, like the, with the crappy sounding rooster at the beginning. Oh, boy, another day in Wormwood Forest. Hello, boys and girls. Again, it's time for another visit with our friends down in Wormwood Forest. Hey, hey, don't run away. Listen a while, you'll want to stay. There's always lots of fun down in Wormwood Forest. Hello, everybody. This is Nippy Dwarf. Today, Barbecue Pig starts work on her hotel. So don't leave your radio. Listen to our animal show. There's always lots of fun down in Wormwood Forest. Oh, 
Frankie Frog. What you want, Dibby Dwarf? Would you please go outside and tell whoever that is to stop honking that horn? Okay, Shorty. Hey, you stop honking the head. Oh, hiya, Timothy Turtle. Hi, Frankie Frog. Oh, um, what did you say to me? Uh, what's the big idea, honking that horn? Oh, just trying to keep myself awake till the pig comes out. The pig? Yeah, yeah. Barbara Killpig. I'm supposed to drive her somewhere. Well, you stop honking that horn. She hates noise. Well, how will she know I'm down here and waiting? Answer me that. Uh, I'll hop up to her room and tell her for you. Oh, would you? You're so good to me. Hey, 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 cut that out, turtle. Why? You'll spoil my bow tie. Now, you sit right there in the car, and I'll tell the pig you're waiting. Okay. Oh, um, it's so peaceful here in the February sunshine. Mm, lazy turtle. Hey, Dippy, it was the turtle blowing his horn. I didn't know turtles had horns. <laughs> yeah, he's waiting for the pig. I told him I'd send her down. Yeah, her room's on the second floor, Frankie. Just down the hall from Kitty's room. I know, Dwarf. I'll hop upstairs. And down past Kitty's room. Oh, Frankie Frog. Uh, hiya, Kitty baby. Aren't you going to the wrong door, Dream Frog? The wrong door? Uh, why, no. I meant to go to the pig's door. Oh, so it's not an accident that you've overlooked my door. Why, no. I've got to see the pig. So you'd rather see the pig than me. But I didn't say that, Kitty. Don't you uh, ever speak to me hey, again, Kitty, you don't be mad. Frog. Shuggins, slam the door right in the green face. Oh, well, I guess I'd better deliver the message to the pig first. It's Frankie Frog, pig. I'll come over and let you in, cried the fair young pig. Young? Hmm. That Virginia ham hasn't been young since Robert E. Flea was a boy. What did you say, Frog, about Robert E. Flea being a boy? Yeah, yeah. Uh -oh. I said that if Robert E. Flea could see you now, he'd say, oh, boy. Oh, you say the most chivalrous thing, Franklin. Hello. Uh, hi, you barbecue pig. I have a message for you. Horrors, nothing terrible's happened, has it? Uh, nope. Uh, the turtle is waiting for you in the car. Oh, yes, the turtle. I'll get my chapeau. That's French for fruit basket. Uh, I thought it meant bonnet. Just you take a look at my new chapeau. Hey, it does look like a fruit basket. Uh, but aren't you rushing the season a bit, barbecue? It's always a season for barbecue. Frog, here's a $7 bill for your trouble. Gee, thanks, pig. I think your bonnet is beautiful. Oh, you're so chivalrous, Franklin Frog. Chivalry is not dead. Not in this hall, anyway. Ooh, it's drafty out here. Here's an extra 79 cents for your compliments. Now I'll trot right down to the car. Amphibious Frog. A pork pie to you, too, pig. Hmm, I'd better try to straighten things out with my kitty baby. Oh, uh, kitty, open your door. No. Please, kittykins, let me explain. Round, there's nothing to explain, Frog. Go away. Yeah, oh, me. Now, please, Kitty, if you'll only give me a chance. You've had your chance. Oh, please, Kitty, open the door just once more. Frog, I'm not interested in anything you had to say. Hiya, Kitty baby. Frankie Frog, you're in my room. Yeah, Frog is quicker than a flash. Now, you got to let me explain. I'm not interested in your explanations. But, baby, you mustn't be mad. Who's mad? You must be mad. What makes you think I'm mad? Well, if you're not mad, then why are you ripping the curtains? Oh, am I ripping the curtains? Please take your claws out of the curtains, Kitty. Very well. There. They're out. 
Now, don't be mad at me. Why should I be mad at you? You mean nothing to me. Frogs are a dime a dozen. I guess I mean enough to you to make you rip up the curtains. What a disposition. Frankie Frog, if you don't like my disposition, you don't have to stay around. Well, gee, Kitty, I gotta stay. In fact, I can't help myself. You made me love you. I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to do it. I want some love, that's true. Yes, I do, deed I do, you know I do. Give me, give me what I cry for. You know you got the kind of loving that I die for. You know you made me love you, my furry kitty. You know you made me love you. I forget about everything else. Well, good. You should know that the pig means nothing to me. Then why did you go to her room? To tell her the car was waiting for her. Oh, is that all? That's all, Kitty. The turtle is supposed to drive her somewhere. Oh, Timothy Turtle. Yes, barbecue pig. Must you drive so slowly? A turtle can't go very fast. But surely this car can go faster than two miles an hour. Oh, sure. But I just wanted you to have time to think things over, Pig. I've thought it over, Timothy, and the answer is no. But, Pig! No buts about it, the answer is no. Please, Barbecue, please. No, Turtle, absolutely not. I will not buy you any sleeping tablets. You sleep enough as it is. Well, I don't want them to put me to sleep. I never have any trouble sleeping. Then why buy sleeping tablets? I want to write bedtime stories on them. <laughs> Turtle, stop the car. Was it that fire? Yes, and besides, Grandpa Fox is waving his egg basket at us. Oh, so he is. Hi, Grandpa Fox. Uh, howdy doody, son. Howdy, pig. Seems like you're going in the same direction that I am. Yes, we're going over to see the eager beaver. Mind if I ride that far with you? Mighty tired carrying this basket. Oh, hop in, Grandpa Fox. Uh, thank you. I'm in, son. Do be careful with that basket of eggs. This car finds all the bumps in the road and runs over them. I'll just put the basket here in my lap. Timothy, watch out. There's a rock in the road. Quiet. You found it. Yeah, look at my eggs. Smashed to smithereens. Oh, heavens, I'm sorry, Grandpa Fox. Well, nothing to worry about, daughter. I'll sell them to a restaurant for scrambled eggs. <laughs> Hi, Peg. Looks like we are here. So we are, the Eager Beaver Building Corporation. Well, thanks for the lift, daughter. Don't mention it. Timothy, I'll only be a minute. Well, don't hurry. I'll just take a little slow. Oh, oh. oh Eager Beaver. Oh, good morning, Barbecue Pig. What can the Eager Beaver Building Corporation do for you? Eager Beaver, I've decided to build a hotel across the road from the Dwarf Waldo. Uh-huh, a uh, hotel, eh? Just what type of hotel do you have in mind, my dear? A big hotel with French windows? A small hotel with casement windows? Or a medium-sized hotel with laundry chutes, coal chutes, and parachutes? Parachutes? Just in case your room rates get too high, my dear. I want a medium-large hotel with soft pastel colors. Tell you what I'm going to do. I'll have my angleworm architects draw up several sets of plans and we'll submit them to you at the earliest possible date, Barbecue Pig. You choose the one that suits you best. I hate to be hoggish, 
But I do want the most for my money. Madam, there's no other construction company in Wormwood Forest that could give you more for your money than the Eager Beaver Building Corporation. No, ma'am, no indeedy. Thank you, sir. Thank you, indeedy. Oh, good gracious, what did I say? That Eager Beaver leaves me breathless. Oh, Timothy Turtle. Heavens, he's sound asleep. Timothy, wake up. Hmm, I guess I'll have to use my hat pin. Here goes. Ouch! Hey! A bee just stung me! It wasn't a bee, it was my hat pin. Peg, how could you be so thoughtless? How can you be so lazy? Start the car. Where are we going now? Over to the old Badger residence. I want to see Susan Skunk. Only a cottage in dear old Wormwood, but I sure do love it. To me, it looks good just to tumble down home with the wall telephone like a millionaire's palace whenever you're home. I'd give up my little old car if I were a king. It's more than a truffle. It's my everything. You're my suit living here. Oh, my sweetie skunky dear. In the rundown, oh, badger residence. Come, Clucky, my woodchucky. You sing divinely. Yes, and I think you're divine too, sweetie Susie skunky. <laughs> Harkin. Me thinks I hear familiar sounds. Is my skunk cabbage boiling over? No, I, I believe a car is stopping out front. Yes. Oh, how seldom. Well, I'll peep through the lace curtains. But don't get your tooth caught in the curtains, Woodchucky. No, mercy me. It, it's barbecue pigs. The doorbell. I'm coming. If you're working your way through horticulture school by selling vegetable seeds and... Oh, hello, barbecue pig. Hello, Susan Skunk, my dear. Do come in. I haven't cleaned house lately. Well, thank you. Thumb clock, it's the pig. Well, how unusual, seeing as how she just drove up my little old car. I know, pig. Dumb clock, I do hope you won't disturb us while I'm talking with Susan. Mm, piffle. I can take a hint. I'll go sit in the corner and shock. Females. Is it something special, Barbecue? Yes. I've decided to build a hotel across the road from the Dwarf Waldo. Oh, how exciting. Can I do anything to help? Yes, Susan. That's why I'm here. I know how interested you are in color schemes and plans, etc. Oh, I'm a fiend for interior decorating. Why, I have scads of free booklets on... How to do a room in ten easy colors. Would you lend me the booklet? Oh, of course. I keep them in my purse. Where's your purse? Well, I usually keep it under the scatter of... Oh, it's not here this time. Oh, now I remember. I put it in the medicine cabinet. Your purse in the medicine cabinet? Uh-huh. Someone said it looks sick. Oh, here it is. I do hope the decorating booklets are in your purse. Oh, I'm sure they must be. Let's see. Mm, a green lipstick... A jar of prickly pear pickles, a pair of horseshoes. Horseshoes in your purse? They're for a very small horse. Oh. Mm, sleigh bells. <laughs> Some peanut 
that brittle? Oh, here's a decorating booklet. Success! Viva la booklet! Cherche la skunk! I'm sure you're welcome to these booklets just the same. I must be trotting along. I'll return them when my hotel is completed. Oh, no hurry. Oh, don't, Clucky. You can come out of the corner now and say goodbye to the pig. Goodbye, pig. Goodbye, woodchuck. Come again sometime, barbecue, and good luck on your hotel. Thank you, Susan, my dear. I suppose I'll have to get out my hat. Heavens, Timothy Turtle, you are to sleep. No, I'm wide awake, pig. Hop in and I'll start the car. <laughs> my goodness, this is very strange. Tell me, Turtle, how'd you manage to stay awake so long? Oh, it wasn't any trouble. I just thought of your long red hat pin and bingo. I wasn't sleepy at all. <laughs> I bet we'd all find it difficult going to sleep if we knew a long red hat pin was ready to awaken us. But hat pins are not. We can always count on the animals for fun down in Wormwood Forest. Hey, hey, that's all today. We're so glad that you could stay. There's always lots of fun down in Wormwood Forest. Oh, General Grasshopper. What is it, dubby boy? Have you heard? The pig is going to build a hotel across the road from the dwarf Waldorf. You don't say. Got you worried? In a way, Grasshopper. My hotel has never had to face competition before. Well, you won't have to face it now if you'll just follow my suggestion. He was that. Don't face the competition. Turn your hotel around and let it face the other direction. <laughs> this grasshopper is as sharp as a chill rabbit tobacco. So don't leave your radio. Listen to our animal show. There's always lots of fun. Down in Wormwood Forest. Wormwood Forest, written by Tom Titchener, has come to you from WSM in Nashville, Tennessee. Tennessee. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. Tennessee. 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 You gonna talk? <laughs> I could. Tennessee. It's, you're just making it say Tennessee over and over again. Why is everyone feeling stabby now? Well, because there was the hat pin. Uh, oh, thing. I see. I see. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. my my GIF uh, posting is a little subtle. Yeah. So, yeah. and yes, yes, uh, Foxfire, please uh, drop kiddo. Uh Surely, kiddo drop. And I think we'll uh, we'll go ahead and take a little break uh, in case uh, anybody has to get a beverage or use the potty or anything. So we'll play one of our cereal commercial blocks, and uh, we'll be back with uh, the second hour. But uh, yeah, Suze, are you? Excuse me, are you happy with your uh, um, uh, uh, animal uh, um, soap opera? Yes. Yes, very fun. I so, mean, you know, I like the characters. Susie, Susie Skunk, we're getting used to her shtick now. Whenever, or anytime somebody yeah. answers the uh, comes to the door. Yeah, I like um, to write down what she says sometimes. Yeah, yeah that's funny. So, uh, oh, kiddo is kiddo's out. Kiddo's on oh, loose. Kiddo's out. Let's see so, what's kiddo up to. Kiddo deposes. Oh no! All right. Yeah, the, the 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 gnome king is annoying. 
Yeah. So I think he should. That that's good. I mean, I don't. He'll be an I easy don't one like to call. Him him. King. I mean, he is cute, but you know, like he's a cutie, but he does he does um wrongly imprison people. Um, he makes them his slaves. Kidnaps, makes them his slaves. I mean, once they're you know little tchotchkes, they don't do anything. But it's just sad. Yeah. You know. Yeah. 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 Say. Say. So. All yeah. right. Well, very good. So, but yeah, Wormwood yeah. Forest is pretty fun. I hope everybody's enjoying that. Uh, hey, hey, what is it? Yeah. Um. I yeah. Uh, yeah. Down in. Down in Wormwood Forest. Yeah. Whatever. Um, but no, it's, it's fun. And, uh, so yeah, so coming up, uh, after, uh, our break, then we're going to go back to, uh, uh, what you call it? Let's pretend land. And we've yeah. got, and hopefully we'll have time for a couple Jerry of the circus, uh, ones for you find out what happened to that little kid in prison. I know that like, seriously, it just doesn't even make sense. But, um, I guess that was before, uh, there was a social services or a job and family services or a child, you know, yeah, pre-COVID. child services. Well, you know, I'm saying <laughs> pre-COVID. I'm saying that there weren't a lot of departments to take care of kids. Everybody just assumed everybody was happy and wonderful. Yeah. I mean, you would think they would put him in an orphanage before jail. You'd think. But yeah. It's All up, right. Man. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, everybody, get hungry for some cereal. We're gonna go yes. to break. Yes. All right. Mr. Lafoot, this is the crunchiest mixture ever made. Good. Hello, Captain Crunch. Now, I, Jean Lafoot, challenge you to a crunching contest. But Lafoot, nothing's crunchier than Captain Crunch cereal. It's sweet and delicious, made of corn and oats with two kinds of sugar, and it's made crunchy to stay crunchy even after you pour on the milk. What can possibly match it? My own cereal. Footsies. All right, hey, gentlemen. Hey, take three paces, hey, turn, and hey. crunch. One, two, three, turn. <laughs> the winner is Captain Crunch cereal. Hey. And this stuff tastes awful. It is crunchy, though. What's it made of? Eggshell, celery sticks, and just a pinch of blackboard chunk. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, LaFoot. What I can't stand is this crunchier than thou attitude. Get Captain Crunch cereal from Quaker. When a fruit and cereal lover finishes that last piece of fruit, she's finished. That's why Post makes Raisin Bran with so many sweet, chewy raisins. She can get fruit in her first spoonful, her next spoonful, and her next. The way Post makes Raisin Bran, she can get fruit in every spoonful and never have to run out. No wonder Post Raisin Bran is the fruit and cereal of her cereal. Say good morning with a pink of speck. Dig em. Just one breakfast starts like that. Kellogg's Sugar Specs. Dig em. Toasted wheat plus eight good vitamins. Kellogg's Sugar Specs. Dig em. I dig Sugar Smacks. <laughs> What's wrong with that frog's airplane? Engine croak. <laughs> They're part of your good breakfast, Kellogg's Sugar Snacks. That's a dick'em smack. 
Don't be scared. I'm the super sweet monster with the super sweet new cereal, Count Chocula. Piffle, here's the super sweet new cereal, Frankenberry. But I've got chocolate sweeties for monstrous chocolate flavor. Well, I've got berry flavored sweeties for monstrous strawberry flavor. Count Chocula. Frankenberry. Hi. <laughs> Frankenberry. Count Chocula. Boy, working in a Fruity Pebbles factory is beautiful, fruity pulse. This morning, I had this desire for something fruity. I came to work and I'm surrounded by Fruity Pebbles. Beautiful, fruity pulse, fruity pebbles. The ever-dever fruity do. On my work break, I have a good breakfast featuring Post Fruity Pebbles cereal. Fred, I got this desire for something fruity. Have Fruity Pebbles, Barney. Oh, Fred, Fruity Pebbles are beautiful, fruitiful. <laughs> the ever-dever fruity do. What's this stuff? Some cereal. It's supposed to be good for you. I'm not gonna try it. Let's get Mikey. Yeah. He won't need it. He hates everything. He likes it. Hey, Mikey! Regular, cinnamon, and raisin life. Nutritious, delicious. This is the story of the Freakies and their perilous search for a home. The leader of the Freakies was the fearless Boss Moss. Whenever the Freakies had a problem, they ran to Boss Moss. We're afraid. I understand exactly how you fail. <laughs> he never solved the problem, but he was always understanding. At last, they came upon a wonderful tree, which grew their favorite cereal, Freakies. Day. Every morning, the cereal would ripen in the sun, becoming toasty and sugary and golden with vitamins. Run are you scavenger or something? And they knew they had found a home. <laughs> oh! Hmm, I wonder what the taxes are like here. Freakies is part of a good breakfast, and you get a free freaky magnet in specially marked boxes. It's time for go to bed. Lots more story time here for everybody. I'm coloring away the brand new show art from Foxfire. The Deposing of the Noom King by your one and only kiddo. Undo. <laughs> Sorry. That's Sorry, okay. it took me a second to get back. No, but I'm no back. worries. She's back, everyone. Yes. So yeah, I'm looking up some color guidance on the Gnome King, and uh, it's pretty it's pretty fun. Yeah. So. 
Is he red and green like Santa Claus? Is that yeah. why everybody said he looked kind like Kind of backwards. Uh, kind of backwards red and green with uh, some yellow accents, too. So. <laughs> uh, pretty cool. But yeah, so uh, this is a fun one to color here. I was, uh, at first I started coloring them all gray, but then I, because they, they, in the story they mentioned that, you know, he had a lot of gray, but I wanted to see for myself. Mm hmm. And yeah, he definitely has uh, quite of a Santa Claus look going on. But instead of giving things to people at Christmas time, he takes people. And turns them into things. He sure does. And it's evil. It's evil. Yeah. But, um, you know, like, I like the concept of gnomes. Like, you know, they do their underground thing. Make well, they don't spell it, uh, no, G-N-O-M-E. It's N-O-M-E. So. Oh, uh, okay. Is it the same thing? Oh, I thought it was G-N. Okay. No, it's, it's N-O-M-E. Oh, yeah. okay. So it's a different I, kind of no. I saw that in the uh, in the spelling of the, the chapter. Yeah. So, and of course, um, they're like underground fairies. They said. Yeah. Uh, so uh, all right. Well, we are back, and again, uh, not necessarily the the cream of wheat fix people are looking for, but uh, it mm -hmm. is. A let's pretend off of an LP called One Eye, Two Eye, Three Eye, I believe. Yeah, and I've never heard of this, so I'm excited. Yeah. I wanted to bring back some fairy tales because I still haven't listened to all of them. I yeah. haven't listened to some of the let's pretends, and they're well, very I, radio friendly. I do enjoy so. let's pretend, so. Let's go ahead and um, get back into it. So here we go from uh, Let's Pretend. One eye, two eyes, three eyes. So yeah. here we go. This is the Let's Pretend story of one eye, two eyes, three eyes. Come one, come all, the big and small. We're here with Let's Pretend. You'll laugh, you'll cry, and wonder why until the very end. The joy of storytelling to all we do extend. So give a cheer, cause look what's here, another Let's Pretend. Hello, Pretenders. Hello, Uncle Ted. Who's going to say how we're going to travel to Let's Pretend? You're going to have to tell us, Uncle Ted. We can't think of a thing. Well, I'll have to think of something different. I know. Let's go by helicopter. Great. Great. Helen? Can you arrange for a nice large helicopter? One whirly bird coming up. One, two, three! <laughs> All set? Everyone aboard? You, you bet. For one eye, two eyes, three eyes. Once upon a time, when enchantments took place almost every day, three sisters, one eye, two eyes, three eyes, and their mother lived together in a little cottage below the magic waterfall. As our story begins, poor unhappy two eyes, cruel mother, and envious sisters have sent her out 
hungry and alone, to tend their little goat as it grazes on the soft green grass. <laughs> oh, what can I do, little goat? How can I go on living so miserable and lonely? I'm so hungry, too. Oh, I know your story. You are kind, at least. But I can't stand it. I've tried every way I know to win their love, but it's no use. Oh, I wish I had someone who loved me. <laughs> there, there, little two-eyes. Why do you weep? Oh, where did you come from, lovely lady? Who are you? I am your fairy godmother. Come, come, dry your pretty eyes. You have wept so many tears, there's a puddle of water at your feet. Uh, are you really my fairy godmother? Yes, my dear. Now tell me, why are you crying? Because my mother and sisters are so cruel to me. I wouldn't mind doing all the work if they'd only love me a little. But they don't. But why are they unkind and cruel to you? There must be a reason. Because, you see, I have two eyes, just like everybody else. But one of my sisters has just one eye. I begin to understand. And the other sister has three eyes, two just like ours, and a third in the middle of her forehead, which works separately from the other two. And that's why they treat you as they do. But now that you're here with me, I don't seem to have any troubles anymore. But you are hungry, aren't you? <laughs> yes, but I'd almost forgotten it. Just looking at you, you are so lovely. Now let me tell you how I can help when you are hungry, say to your little goat here, Little goat bleat, little elves here, little table of food, I'm hungry, appear. And then, fairy godmother? When you have said that, a little table filled with all the food you can possibly eat will be whisked out of nowhere, right by your side. Oh, how lovely! And what fun! Oh, fairy godmother, you have made me so happy. Thank you, thank you. Your gratitude is becoming to eyes. Oh, Another thing, when you have finished, you must say, Little goat bleat, I have enough for today. Little elves here, take the table away. And whisk, it's gone. Will you remember that? Oh, yes. I'll leave you now. Now that you've called me, you will see and hear from me again. Farewell, my daughter. Goodbye, lovely lady. And thank you again. about? I have a good reason. Have you noticed anything about two eyes lately? Yes, one eye, I have. For days now, she hasn't eaten any of the scraps of food we leave. Exactly. Now, who's feeding her? What's she doing behind our backs? I'd certainly like to know. Well, I, for one, intend to find out. Tomorrow, I shall go with her to tend the goat and see just what she does all day. A good idea, one eye. If she's begging food from strangers... I'll beat the life out of her. I'll help you. And so will I. This is quite a walk for you, One-Eye. You're not used to going so far, are you? No, I'm not. I'm beastly tired. I tell you, why not rest here under this shady tree for a while, One-Eye? Well... I guess I will lie down for a minute. Oh, 
my feet. I'm exhausted. You just close your eye and rest. Oh, what a walk. Little one eye for my sake. Rest you here. Are you awake? Little one eye, quiet keep. Little one eye, are you asleep? <laughs> Sound asleep. Now for my lunch. Little goat bleat, little elves here. Little table of food, I'm hungry. Appear. What lovely food. Oh, little goat, isn't this fun? Pleasant dreams, sweet little one-eye. <laughs> oh. Well, one-eye, what did you find out? Yes, come on, we, we could hardly wait. What did you see? Nothing, absolutely nothing. Did you watch... All the time? Every minute. I never took my one eye off of her. You didn't go to sleep or anything? No, of course not. I kept awake every minute. I tell you, not one thing escaped me. I don't believe it. I shall go myself tomorrow. I bet you I'll find out something. Very well then, smarty. Go right ahead. And much good may the long walk do you. <laughs> Are you tired, Three Eyes? Certainly I'm tired. Who wouldn't be after that walk? Well, why not rest here for a little while? It's it's nice and cool and shady. <laughs> Best idea you ever had. Oh, I've walked blisters on both feet. You'll be all rested after a little nap. Why not close your eyes? That's it. Little Two Eyes for my sake. Rest you here, are you awake? Little two eyes, quiet keep. Little two eyes, are you asleep? <laughs> oh, what luck. She's sound asleep, and I'm starved. Now for my steaming hot luncheon. Little goat bleat. Little elves here. Little table of food. I'm hungry. Appear. <coughs> oh, isn't that a beautiful looking table, little goat? Come on. Here's your share. So, that's what you do. <gasps> oh, three eyes. I thought you were asleep. So, two of my eyes were. You forgot when you sang little two eyes that I had three of them. Didn't you? <laughs> and the third one saw everything you did, you little, you little vixen. <gasps> what are you going to do with that knife? Your little goat won't give you any better food than we have. I'll settle her right now. Uh, oh, oh, sister, don't. Uh, don't. There's your precious little goat. 
She won't bother you anymore. Oh, oh, three eyes. You've killed her. How could you? No wonder you wouldn't eat scraps anymore. I'm going straight home and tell Mother what you did. Oh, poor little goat. Oh, Oh, fairy godmother, I need your help. Please hear me and come to me. Poor little unhappy two eyes. Oh, fairy godmother, I'm so glad to see you. Do you see what that cruel girl has done? Yes, dear. But come, don't weep. Dry your eyes and let me tell you what to do. All right. Tonight, after everyone has gone to bed... Take the head of your little goat and bury it by the front door of your home. Will you do that? Why, yes, I will. But, Godmother, why should I do such a strange thing? You'll find out. Just do as I say, and then see what will happen tomorrow. And so, Two Eyes did as her Godmother asked. And when her unhappy deed was done, she went to bed with a sad and heavy heart. But then, the next morning... Three eyes, one eye, two eyes, come here and see what has happened. What? What is it, Mother? What's wrong with you, Mother? Look, 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 right by our front doorstep. Very good, Mother. Just look at it. A tree taller than a house. How perfectly wonderful. What a beautiful tree. And it's grown overnight. Uh, how far does it go? Drat this one eye. I, I can't see. Tell me, three eyes, how tall is it? It goes up and up. Oh, you two and your crazy eyes. Don't you see the fruit on it? There's a lot of it. And it shines as if it were polished. It's all gold and silver. Well, for goodness sake, so it is. And every kind that grows. And all in one tree. It's magic. Well, who cares? You two climb up and pick some of that luscious-looking silver fruit. Yeah, not you two eyes. Remember, you're not to touch one thing on this tree. No, sir. This belongs to us. Give me a boost, three eyes. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, Get that gold and, and silver fruit. Go on. All right. Oh, What's the matter with it? Nothing's the matter with it. What's wrong with you? Why don't you hand me some of the fruit? I can't blame it. Every time I reach for a limb, it snaps right out of my hand as if it didn't want me to touch it. Oh, you make me sick. Let me get at it. Oh, go ahead, three eyes. You certainly can't do worse. (laughs) Well, for heaven's sakes, what's the matter with it? (laughs) I'll do it. There. Oh, my goodness! Huh. You're not so smart after all. It snaps away from you, too. May I try, Mother? Perhaps I can reach it. Well, come here. I'll boost you up. Oh, that's all right. I can make it. There, Mother. Here's a big golden peach for you. Catch! Ah, that's more like it. Well, say what you want. That nasty little two-eyed is a witch. Wait a minute, girls. There's there's a crowd of people coming along the road. One of them has plumes in his hat. Well, for heaven's sake, if it's anybody important, get this two-eyed brat out of sight. They're turning in here. 
Uh, come on to us. It looks like it might be someone from the castle. <gasps> it, it is. Uh, girls, it's... It's the prince himself. Oh. Uh, hurry up, Twice. But get I... down and get out of sight. Go on, go on. Go on. Oh. Crawl under that washtub. Oh. Get under it quickly. Oh, very well, Mother. One eye, three eyes. Come down quickly. Good morning, madam. Oh, good morning, good morning your morning, highness, sire. <laughs> oh, good morning, your highness. You do our house great honor, sire. Yes, your highness, indeed you do. <laughs> what can we do for your highness? Tell me of this marvelous tree. My counselor and I were attracted by its unusual brilliance, so we wrote in to ask about it. From the road, the sun's rays fall on it, and it sparkled like silver and gold. Oh, it it is marvelous, sire. And as you see, the fruit is all gold and silver, and there's every variety on the one tree. Most extraordinary. Who owns this marvelous tree? Oh, the tree belongs to my two lovely daughters, sire. This is three eyes, and this is one eye. Indeed. Well then, young ladies, if I'm not asking too much, I should like to sample such gorgeous-looking fruit. Will you be so generous and give me some of it? Oh, of course. Oh, he yes. will. Counselor, uh, assist the ladies into the tree. Mm-hmm. Yes, your highness. Oh, well, thank you, counselor. There we are. Now, 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 <clears throat> what would you like? Anything you can reach easily. Well, will this do? Uh, oh, <laughs> it's too, too far out. Here, this limb is closer. Now, will this... Oh, it seems to slip. I... I'll get a better footing. <laughs> I uh, I don't know what's the matter with three eyes, your highness. <laughs> she must be nervous. Yeah, one eye, help her. Yes, mother. This tree becomes more and more curious. It's almost human the way the branches move. Counselor, do you see the way the limbs snap out of reach? Yes, sire, I do. Your highness, here is a... Oh! Look, that limb deliberately pulled away from her hand. I saw it. And so did I. Most amazing, sire. Like enchantment. I shall get you some of it, Prince. Or no other reason. Why? Why, why, look, madam. Here's a silver pear right at my feet. Where did it come from? Why, why, uh, uh, three eyes must have thrown it down from the tree. <laughs> yes, didn't you, dear? Didn't I want? No, she didn't. Look, it comes from under that tub. Here comes a golden plum. Counselor, turn that tub over. I want to see what's under there. (laughs) A girl. And a pretty one, too. (laughs) Oh, Mother, forgive me, but I just couldn't help it. I'll take this up with you later, Two Eyes. And who is this little beauty? Uh, This is Two Eyes, my youngest daughter, Your Highness. How do you do, sire? I'm very well. No. But why were you hiding under the tub? Uh, We put her under the tub because her manners are so poor. We hated to have you see her, sire. Why, Mother, how can you say such a... I think I understand, Miss Two Eyes. You are much too lovely to conceal under a tub. Thank you, sire. You are kind. I wonder if you could gather some of this fruit for me. Your sisters seem to be, uh, (laughs) unfortunate in their efforts. Do you think you could? Why, of course. I'd like to very much. May I help you, Miss Two Eyes? Oh, I see you don't need any help, do you? No, Counselor. What fruit would you like? Anything. All right. There's a silver pear. 
They're the golden apricot. Catch. <laughs> oh, you're good. And you're wonderful. The fruit falls into your hands before you even touch it. Three eyes and one eye. If I were you, I think I'd come down. It would seem that two eyes is the only one who can gather the fruit. I'll fix you for this. And so will I, you little cat. Uh, what were you saying? What? Oh, I said, uh, that's that. Yeah, I thought so. Come down out of that tree, all of you. Oh, all right. Be, be on. Oh. Little lady, I want to ask you a few questions. Yes, sire. Whose tree is this? It's mine, your highness. It, how dare you say that, two eyes? You know it isn't. It is plain to be seen, madam. No one else can gather the fruit. And, of course, the tree is magic. Go on, please, two eyes. My fairy godmother gave it to me, sire. She told me to bury the head of my poor little goat in this spot. I did. And overnight, the gold and silver fruit tree grew. You come here to me, you, you brat! Yeah. Silence, all of you! You've talked enough. You're not very happy here, are you, Two Eyes? Well, I... Tell me truthfully. No, sire, I'm not. My dear, I understood the situation the moment I saw the first fruit fall in your hands. Little lady, will you come with me to the castle? To the castle, your highness? Yes, I want to take you to my mother, the queen. And someday, when you and I know each other better, I want to ask you if... If what, your highness? If you will do me the honor to become my wife. May I take you to my mother now? Oh, yes, your highness. I shall be so very happy. And and what becomes of us, pray? I would suggest you ladies stay here and sweeten your dispositions. Come, Two Eyes. Lift her up in the saddle, Counselor. Yes, your highness. Are you comfortable? Perfectly, thank you, sire. And now, ladies, you may say farewell. And don't Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. Now, that isn't the proper way. Remember, this lady is your future queen. As loyal subjects, you will curtsy to the ground. Oh, oh curtsy! Oh, 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 We're waiting for your curtsies. Oh, oh, my. Oh. That's more like it. Little lady, what will you do with the magic tree? I shall be glad to give it to my sisters. <laughs> but they can't gather the fruit. Oh, I didn't think of that. Well, perhaps if they will promise to be less cruel and selfish, I'll ask my fairy godmother to release the fruit. Fairy godmother, wherever you are, would you do that? Ow! Ooh, ow! Ow! That golden banana hit me right in the head. <laughs> what a pity it wasn't a brass watermelon. Good day, ladies. That's what happens when you bury a dead goat's head. <laughs> yep, that's that's why I want to hear these because they're weird. They're just weird. Mm-hmm. Nobody buries a dead goat's head and gets golden fruit. It doesn't. I. It just. It's weird. I think it was a tree with like cans, cans of strongbow cider. Is what it was. <laughs> yeah. So. That would uh, be delicious. That was that was uh that was pretty fun you know uh, yeah <laughs> um uh, you know it it was uh you know um I I'd like to know what the real 
uh, one was. You know where? I mean, if that it's probably German, right? Yeah. Excuse me. Excuse me. So, um, but yeah, uh, th- that was fun. You know, I, I enjoyed it. It was fun. It was and, fun. Uh, you know, it was uh, you know, wicked stepsister, wicked stepmother kind of stuff. You know, standard. Well, fare. you you got your uh, slide whistle like you like. You yeah, know? yeah, that's how magic works. Does that get on your nerves, or do you like it? I don't. I it, it's just it out. silly. It's just like the laziest sound effect. You know the. You know, sound effect. Yeah. Like, you know, a, a, a harp would be nice, you know. <laughs> or, you know, maybe some tinkling chimes or something like that. But, I mean, the slide whistle is just like, woo! Okay. That's it's obnoxious. How magic works. Yeah. It, it, it is, but I just, you know, it, it's, it's part of the charm of this series, though. Yeah. So... Uh, so I let You're it right. One, I'm I'm on Wikipedia real quick. One eye, two eye, three eyes is a German fairy tale. Brothers Grimm. Well, it had a goat and you know fruit tree and stuff like that. So yeah, Grimm. Andrew but, Lang and the Green Fairy Book also retold it, but but you know, uh, but yeah, German. you know. As for the slide whistle, well, I guess I'll just have to let it slide. Oh gosh. <laughs> That was hard. That was that was painful. Yeah, talk about lazy. Um, yeah. So uh, uh, anyway, uh, yeah, I, I thought that was fun. So it was it was a grim adaptation, um, and that was yeah. pretty brutal. They they killed a goat right there. Yeah, I don't like that, but hey, gosh, that was bad that was news. Waste of- oh wow, that was worse. That hurt me. It gave me the opportunity wow. to post some Black Phillip uh, gifts. So, and, yeah, and I threw one so. in too. I nice. like Black Phillip so much. Yeah. The witch. I want a little goat. I bet we can get away with that in the city. Oh, are you ready for Jerry in the circus? Oh, <laughs> Jerry, yeah. Jerry of the circus. Sorry, I just don't want to talk about owning a goat right now. Um, <laughs> yeah, you never do. Owning goats, right. owning chickens. You're like, no go. Well, no la- goat. Last no week, yeah, no goat, goat. no goat. Um, and uh, we're gonna just go to Jerry of the Circus because apparently it's Corgi time out in the neighbor's driveway, and uh, it's coming through both of our microphones. So it's a gang you, of corgis yeah. next door. They're adorable. Sounds like a lot more because it's coming through both of our microphones. So anyway, yeah. um, uh, here we go. Last we left, Jerry, small child, locked in prison because he didn't pay his father's debt who died the week prior. Can't believe it. <laughs> Can't believe it. That was the final episode. That's how he died. Let's go. No. That's how uh, he died. That's the end. <laughs> All right, here we go. Jerry the Circus from 1937. Uh, this is part five we're playing on the show. <laughs> Jerry of the Circus.
for Jerry of the Circus. Well, Sergeant, the boy's locked up for the night, but I doubt if he'll sleep much. Taking it pretty hard, poor kid. I sure hate to lock up a youngster like that. Yeah, seems like a nice enough kid, too. Bad business, though, letting a young boy like that loose on the streets at night. Sure was funny how he kept insisting he belonged to the circus. <laughs> I almost believed him. Might have believed him myself if I hadn't remembered that report. Yeah, that O'Brien woman sure described him. I guess he's the boy she's looking for, all right. He was probably hoping to skip with the circus when it pulls off tonight. Poor kid. It was a pretty good story, he told. Yeah, but not quite good enough. Hello. Are you the sergeant? Yes, sir. Jason's my name. I'm with the Randall Brothers Circus. Mm -hmm. I'm looking for one of our boys. Can't seem to find him anywhere, and our train leaves in just 20 minutes. Can you give me some help? What kind of a boy? What's his name? He's just a youngster. His name's Jerry Dugan. Jerry Dugan? Yeah. Have you seen him? Seen him? <laughs> we got him locked up. Locked up? For what? What's he done? Well, we're not sure that he's done anything, but Officer Rooney here picked him up a little while ago. He was roaming around town whistling for his dog. Well, there's no harm in that, is there? No, but I checked through the missing persons files and find the answer to the description of a boy a woman has preferred charges against, a Mrs. O'Brien. Charges against Jerry? For what? Seems he disappeared or in a board bill. Oh, but the boy belongs with the circus now. Yeah, that's what he said, but... He uh... just joined us today. Mr. Randall, the owner of the circus, can vouch for him. He was a great friend of the boy's father. That's why Randall took Jerry on. Gee, it's late. We've got to make that train. Sorry, but I guess you'll have to stay locked up for the night. Listen, Sergeant, can I see the boy? Just for a minute. I want to make sure he's the right one. Well, all right. Uh, Tom, bring Jerry Dugan in here. Yes, sir. Now listen, Sergeant. Exactly what is the complaint against this boy? Well, this Mrs. O'Brien claims he owes her for a couple of weeks' board and room. Seems she's been trying to get the authorities to find him for the idea of putting him in an orphanage. Orphanage? Jerry? Listen, Sergeant. If I pay the bill in cash... Well, we'll see when it comes up in court tomorrow. But we've got that catch that train in, good heavens, 15 minutes. Sorry, but I guess I can't help you. But if you'd call this woman on the phone now... At 3 o'clock in the morning... Oh, I know it's irregular. Irregular? <laughs> it's crazy. Sergeant, supposing you had a son and he was in trouble, but some responsible people wanted to take care of him. Now, if I pay the bill and this woman agrees over the phone to withdraw the charges, well, she won't have any reason to hold him. It sounds simple, but at this hour... Please, Sergeant. It may mean a real future for the boy. I know it's asking a lot, but... It sure is. But by golly, I'll try. Now, where's her phone number now, now? Let me see. I've got it right here somewhere. Here he is, Sergeant. Jason! Jason! Jerry Dugan. You monkey, what kind of a mess have you gotten yourself into now? Well... I was just looking for rags. I, I had to find him before we left town. I was heading for where we used to live, and, well, this policeman arrested me. Gosh, look at the time. How about it, Sergeant? Hmm, I don't know. Phone's ringing, but she's probably so sound asleep that... Oh, hello. Hello there, uh, Mrs. O'Brien. Yeah, just a minute, Mrs. O'Brien. Uh, this is the police station. Yeah. I'm sorry to disturb you at this hour, but we've picked up the boy that you preferred charges against, and, uh, well, I... Yes, but, uh, well, now, now, just a minute, please. Now, there's a man down here who wants to pay the boy's bill, but he's leaving town by train in 15 minutes. Yeah, he, he says he won't pay the bill, though, and unless you agree to withdraw the charges so he can take the boy with him. I say he refuses to pay the money unless you're willing to withdraw the charges. Yes, cash. You agree? 
All right, then. Come down in the morning, sign the release, and I'll turn the money over to you. And thank you, Mrs. O'Brien. It hung up on me. <laughs> He's a nice customer. <laughs> Good work. <laughs> What's the amount, Sergeant? Well, now, let me see. <clears throat> yeah, here it is. Two weeks, room and board, $22. 22 Okay, Sergeant. Here you are. Five and five and ten is twenty and two is twenty-two. <clears throat> All right, sir. Thanks, Sergeant. You've done this boy a favor he'll never forget. Come on, Jerry, quick. You think you'll make the train? We've got to. But but I can't go, Jason. Not without Rags. I, I'd i sooner go to the orphanage. But, Jerry, I found Rags. I found him. You you found him? Sure. Where? Patsy took him down to the train. He's there now. Come on, quick. Well, good luck, Jerry. Goodbye, Sergeant. And thanks. Only a few minutes. We've got to make that train. Is Rags okay? He didn't get hurt, did he? No, he's all right. Here's the cab, Jerry. Hop in. Driver, back to the station and step on it. Yes, sir. Yeah, Rags is okay, but he must be kind of sick. I tried to feed him several times, but he wouldn't eat. Of course not. He never eats anything unless I give it to him. Dad and I train him like that. Oh, then that accounts for it. I never saw a dog that wouldn't eat if you offered him some meat. Well, where was he, Jason? Where'd you find him? He was having the time of his life digging around those ashes after the fire. Oh, gee whiz. And I looked all over for him. I'm sorry I caused you so much trouble. Forget it, Jerry. Any boy that likes his dog that much must have something pretty real, way down deep. We'll make it in time? Sure, Jerry. Sure we will. We've got to. Here's the station. Here you are. Keep the change. Thank you, sir. Quick, Jerry. We'll have to run for it. Gee, I, I don't think I can make it. You've got to. Here we are. Give me a hand. Come on. Hop up. There you go. Just in time, huh? Oh, boy. Gee, thanks, Jason. I... Come on. Let's get inside. Well, you turned out to be quite a sprinter after all, Jerry. <laughs> Jerry! Jason! I was afraid you missed the train. Not us. Hello, Patsy. Where's Rags? You got him? No, I surely have. He's down at the end of the car. Gee. Rags! Rags! Look at that dog run. Rags, you crazy little mutt. Gee, I, I was afraid I'd never see you again. You know, Jason, I do think that dog likes that boy. Mm, I'm sure that boy doesn't like that dog much. Rags, if you ever go up like that again, I'll... I'll... Oh, is that so? You don't say. Oh, no. If your face wasn't clean, Jerry, it certainly should be by now. Rag, stop licking his face. You see, he feels just like I do. You, you do see that I couldn't leave him, don't you? Of course we do, Jerry. Well, it's pretty late, though. Don't you think you'd better get some sleep? Remember, we've got to get up bright and early. Well, where am I supposed to sleep? Randall said you were to bunk in with Lawrence and Decker. They have compartment B down there at the end of the car. Yes, and they're probably in bed already. 
Guess you'd better turn in, Jerry. Oh, gee, can't I sit up a while and talk? Golly, I, I'm so excited, I, I'm sure I can't sleep yet. <laughs> you should be excited. You join a circus, put your dog in an act, and help put out a fire, lose your dog, and, and get in jail all in one day. Well, it's been a big enough day for me. I'm turning in. Oh, excuse me. The Sandman is certainly calling me. Well, see you in the morning. Oh, say, Jerry. Yeah? I mailed that letter to Dad and asked him if he knew anything about your uncle. Oh, you did? Mm-hmm. Gee, thanks, Patsy. Good night. Good night, Jerry. Good night, Jason. Good night, Patsy. Well, Jerry, we're on our way. It'll be another year before we play Midvale again. Guess you're not sorry to leave, are you? Nope, I'm glad. I was awful lonesome after Dad died. I know. But time is a great healer. And you're going to find a lot of happiness, Jerry. You've got a big life ahead of you. Here comes Lorenz. So he wasn't in his room. Stop growling, Rags. I, I never knew him to growl at anyone like that before. Rags, be Growling at me again, eh? I thought we had good riddance of this dog. Hmm. So you found the kid, too, eh? Yeah, I found him just in time to make the train. Hmm. Well, I turn in now. Well, I'll be in soon. Hmm, don't hurry on my account. Where is the spoon? B, B, C, or B. Here it is. This is my own. Decker. Decker! What you doing with that gun out? I don't know. I, I told you to keep your hands off that gun. I'm sorry, I... That boy will be in any moment. But you got a craving for guns? You get us in trouble yet. I'm sorry, Lorenz. I'm just looking at it. It's a fine pistol. It will serve the purpose if it is not discovered before we have a chance to use it. Here, I put it away. It won't happen again. It better not. I guess I hide it from the baby who likes to play with God. Decker, get this straight before the kid comes in. Everything will work out if... If what? If we are careful and follow the plan. Now, tomorrow is payday. Yes. Bennett will bring money to the office wagon as usual. Yes. Here's what we do. I file the lock from the office wagon. Then I go inside and wait for it. You watch outside and when... Careful. Why you not knock, huh? Snoopling at the door, huh? What do you hear? Nothing. I, I just came in. I didn't hear anything. Honest. He wasn't snooping Lorenz. How are you, Jerry? Well, and red. <laughs> Glad they found you? <laughs> Thanks, Decker. I, I guess I better get to bed. Oh, there's your bunk over there. Yeah. Come on, Rags. Up you go. I, I haven't got any pajamas. Guess I'll have to sleep in my shirt tonight. Well, good night. Good night, Jerry. Have a good sleep. Oh, this bed feels good. Everybody's taking a nap. Everybody's ready to go to bed. Nightmares of prison life. Yeah, I trimmed the music at the front, not the end. 
22 bucks to imprison a minor. That's just not right. Tennessee. 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 <laughs> Tennessee. Time for go to bed. <laughs> Go finally, it's done. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Twenty, what? Twenty bucks got the kid out of prison. Twenty-two bucks. Twenty-two bucks. That's crazy. Thank God for Jason. <laughs> I don't know. That was that is the guy's name, Jason, right? Mm-hmm. The hot man. Well, it used to be that you couldn't um. I mean, they won't go to court for under 500 bucks, so, you know, 22 bucks seems yeah. like a waste of everybody's time. And Yes, that episode was know? called, Jason Pays the $22. <laughs> yeah. I don't know yeah. if this was just arbitrary titles that people gave, because so far the first ones were Letter from Sam Randall, second one was yeah. po Poison Meat Put Out, <laughs> oh, third, meat. third one was Rags is Missing Fourth one was Jerry in Jail And now Jason Pays the $22 And we have the next one ready to go It was really It'll... called Jason Pays the $22 Yes They but they I... do not understand like Chapters not being You know Spoilers, spoilers. Yeah. Like you could totally figure out what's happening in the story just by reading all the chapters. I think they pro it's probably an arbitrary title that somebody put on them to keep track of them. Yeah. Because the shows probably weren't named at the time. They were just yeah. da dated. So, wow. Um, but yeah, so we have 12 minutes left in the next Jerry the Circus is 13 minutes and 40 nice. seconds. Oh, so, then I should be quiet. Should we go? Well, if you're ready to hear some more awesome circus music... Let's do it. Da, 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 da. Jerry of the Circus. Jerry of the Circus. The old open bucket, the iron bound bucket, the moss covered bucket that hung in the well. <laughs> well, Jerry, I didn't know you were a singer, too. I'm not. I, I can't sing. <laughs> no, I don't know about that. Sounds pretty fair to me. <laughs> or maybe it's because I like to hear folks sing while they're working. 
You know, that means they're happy at their work. Well, I'm sure happy at my work, all right. Oh, that's the ticket, Jerry. I like to hear that. Uh, you'll go a lot further being happy as you go along. <laughs> you getting tired of lugging those pails yet? No, I don't mind. I, I'm getting used to it. Good. <laughs> and there's no complaints about your work, either. You're as good a boy that's ever worked for me. You mean it, Whitey? You sure do. And I especially like the way you handled yourself at the fire last night. You're a bright boy, and you go far in this business. Boy, these horses are sure thirsty this morning, Whitey. Oh, I don't know. They just seem that way to you, I guess. Well, you've only got a couple more to water anyway, and then you're through. I guess that mare is next down there in the false star. That's right. And then Splendoring Lady, and that takes care of all of them. Careful of those stakes, Jerry. Don't trip. Watch yourself. I'm watching. Hey there. Did you hurt yourself? No, I'm all right. All right. Say, you're all wet. What were you trying to do, Jerry? Nothing. Uh, I don't know. I mean, well, I didn't see that stake sticking out of the ground. (laughs) No, I guess not. I've been watching you, and your mind's sure been a long ways off. You better go change. You're soaking wet. No, I'm all right. Kind of clumsy, though, wasn't I? Now, you go on and change. Listen, you'll still have time to watch that clown rehearse your dog. Uh, how do you know what I was thinking about? <laughs> now, well, when I see a boy with that faraway look in his eyes watering horses, and that boy has a dog, and that dog is being rehearsed for a big act in a big circus, and, well, I'm just a mind reader, that's all. Now, go on and get some dry clothes. Uh, I'll dry out soon enough, and besides, uh, well, I... I left my things with that landlady back in Midvale. Hmm. Well, I can guess the rest. <laughs> well, I guess we all go through that sort of thing now and then. Okay, kid. Hurry up and finish. There's not much more for you to do. and Then you can beat it. Stay out in the sun long enough to dry off, though. Okay, Whitey. Say, pretty lucky having another tent we could use right away for the horses. That fire last night didn't leave much of the old one except ashes. Well, the circus always has to be prepared for every emergency. We carry extra canvas just in case. Then when we use it, we wire back to winter quarters, and they send on some more to the next stop. That way, you see, we're always sure of shelter for the animals. Golly, you sure do things right in a circus, huh? Well, see you later. Hello there, Splendor. How you feeling this morning after the fire last night, huh? You're sure a grand little horse. Listen, I gotta hurry on on account of I got a friend rehearsing and I wanna watch him. Yes, sir, and when you grow up, I'll, I'll watch you too. Listen, Splendor, I, I got a hunch about you and me. We're going places in this circus business, and don't you forget it. We may not be very big yet, but we'll get there. You just wait and see. He's seeing you. The old oaken bucket, the iron bond bucket. The moss-covered bucket that hung in the well. These bumps was your right. These buckets do get kind of heavy. That hung in the well. <laughs> it's the last bucket, the last bucket. Uh, here you are, lady. Take it easy now. Kind of thirsty, aren't you, lady? Well, you're the last one today, but tomorrow I'll serve you first. What you say? No, sir, I'm not doing going to play any favorites around here, okay? That's the girl. See you later. Whitey, can I go now? Yeah, but when Rags is through rehearsing, be sure you get out in the sun. Sure thing. Bye.
Where are you going so fast, honey? Uh, over to the main tent. Yeah, you got plenty of time. It'll be up all day. Yeah, but but I want to catch a rehearsal. Hello, Patsy. They through yet? Almost. I just came outside to see if you were going to get here in time. How's Rags doing? Swell, Jerry. Oh, if that dog were mine, I'd certainly be proud of him. You think I'm not? Shh. Don't let them hear you. We'll slip inside this entrance. Look. Look. done a double somersault before. Pumps will teach him to do lots of things he's never done before. Oh, Patsy, look at him. And he loves it. That dog's a natural, Jerry. To jump right up on Bump's shoulder from a standstill is no mean trick. All right, Rags. Now, just once more. Hep. Hep. Oh, he's done that before. But that funny little somersault across Bump's back to the other shoulder, and then the double somersault to the ground. Boy, that's something. <laughs> Good dog, Rags. That's enough for today. <laughs> well, you're a glutton for punishment, I'll say that for you. Hi there, Rags. <laughs> well, hello there, Jerry. And Patsy, too. Hi, Bums. I didn't see you come in. Well, what do you think of our dog? Our dog? Why, sure. Say, this dog belongs to the circus now. Hmm. Jerry just thinks Rags belongs to him. Oh, what? Oh. Well, what do you mean? Why, sure, he's part of the show now. Say, listen, all you can do now is to feed him and see that he gets his beauty sleep. Oh, uh, say, well, I... I don't know that I want him to be in the circus. Well, I thought... <laughs> <laughs> don't let Bumps tease you, Jerry. <laughs> Look at the way that dog is looking at you. Do you think anyone could ever take that dog away from you? <laughs> Just let them try. <laughs> Why, Jerry, you're all wet. Yeah, I... Well, I, I spilled some water. Well, I should say you did. You run along out in the sunshine and get dried off. Oh, Rags needs some fresh air, too. So run along now. I'll be back at the wagon. You come on over when you get dry. Okay. Uh, Want to come, Patsy? Sorry, I've got work to do. <laughs> she certainly has. Oh, I watched you rehearse the other morning, Patsy, and that new number of yours is going to be a knockout when you get it perfected. Golly, you sure have to keep working in this business, don't you? Well, if you want to get anywhere in it, you do. Uh, what kind of a trick are you practicing on, Patsy? Oh, just a little trick I figured out myself. I haven't named it yet. I... I don't know what you'd call it, but but it's like a double back over with a half turn in, in midair. Gee whiz, that's your sound scheme. Mm -hmm. uh, when are you going to practice it? Well, I was just going up high and practice it now. Gee, can I watch you? Sure you can. But remember, Bums told you to get out in the sun so you could dry off those wet clothes. Oh, I, I'm nearly dry already, and besides, it's warm in here, and, and I won't catch cold. Let me stay and watch. Okay, Jerry. Here I go. Gee, Rags, look at her climb up that ladder. Look, Rags, up there, see? See, Patsy? See how high she's going? Uh, hey, Jerry, I thought I told you to get dried off out in the sun. Oh, gee, Bumps, I, I want to see Patsy do her new trick just once, please. Well, well, you better look quick, then. There she goes now. Wow, look at that. Golly, Bumps, she just spins in midair while the trapeze swings away from her. And then back again. Oh, oh, that Patsy's a clever girl. Sometimes I wonder how she does it myself. Did she ever miss and fall? Oh, sure, lots of times. But she always hits the net pretty. What do you mean? Well, you got to hit that safety net just right, you see. you got to land on your back or else... Or, uh, or else what? Well, well you'll get hurt. 
What if you happen to fall head first? Well, sometimes that causes a broken neck or back. Gee whiz, that is dangerous. Mm, well, it's quite a trick. You've got to twist your body while you're falling so that you land in the net on your back. Hey, hey, look, look, now there she goes again. Jiminy, that's a great trick, all right. It's beautiful, Patsy. Are you going to try the same? Oh, gee. Oh, 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 oh you spoke look too soon that time, Jerry. Oh, 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 oh. Patsy. Did you see how she took that fall? Oh, yes. Wow, that is exciting. Quiet, Rags. She's all right. She's all right, Rags. Uh, well, what'd you do, Patsy? Miss that trapeze? Yeah, but only by a couple of inches. Well, your trouble is your arms aren't long enough, Patsy. <laughs> Gee, she rolled up like a ball, didn't she? Grabbed her knees and landed right on her back. Uh-huh. Well, come on now, Jerry. Let's go over to our wagon and see what we can do about that wet shirt of yours. Oh, I could watch Patsy on that trapeze all day. Uh, bye, Patsy. So long. <laughs> well, as soon as she learns that new trick, she'll put it in her act, and then you'll have plenty of chances to see it. I don't know what's the most thrilling, being an aerialist or, or a lion tamer. Oh, guess it's a toss-up, Jerry. Everything about a circus is thrilling. You know, I even get a thrill out of being just the clown, and after all these years, too. Look, Bumps, here comes Lorenz. Hmm? Oh, so it is. Well, hello, Lorenz. It's a nice day, eh? What's nice about it? Oh, oh, I don't know. Maybe maybe it's the weather. Well, well, here's our wagon. Decker. Decker, you ready? Hurry up. It's late. Uh, Coming. All set, Lorenz. Hello, Bumps. Jerry. Hmm. My old friend, Rags. Come on, Decker. I'm in a hurry. Okay. So long, folks. Bye. Well, what's your hurry, boys? Well, we... We're uh... just going into town. What's it to you? Oh, oh, nothing. Oh, nothing at all. Well, so long. Lucky we saw Bumps and that kid then. Why? It gives us a good alibi, stupid. Now they think we are going to town. Oh. I use my head. <laughs> Lorenz, no dummy. Now, listen, Decker. Yes? I just filed the office wagon lock. It's all clear. Bennett will be coming with a payroll money any minute now. Have you got that gun? Yes, right in my hip pocket, but do we really have to plant this thing on Jason, Lorenz? I have gone into that before. Now shut up. It's all set. Bumps and that kid think we are going into town. Bennett is on the way with the money. The office wagon is open. Everything is working out just right. Wait, you see, we will be rich yet. this child and his dog.
Cleveland. We're going to yes. be talking about American uh, International Pictures. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. It's going to be exciting. Cool. All kinds of fun stuff. But yeah, so there it is. Jerry of the Circus. Uh, two chapters for you. Do you feel good about listening to two back-to-back there, Suze? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. More yeah. of the story. You know, we got tons of those, so that's cool. Yeah. And, you know. No need uh, to savor them. I know Livin's like, well, how are they going to stretch that for 138 chapters? Well, there's like 50 in the middle that uh, deal with like child clown murders. <laughs> it was a really progressive awesome. series at the time. I mean, they were child clowns that were the murderers. Oh, that's yeah. sweet. So, murderous child clowns. I totally watched that. <laughs> you, you, you're making it up, but man... I'd be like, what happened there? Yeah. So, anyway. So, all right. Well, there's our there's our ten, uh, temporary format as we go through things. Uh, we're getting towards, we're at the back end of Ozma of Oz. Yep. And we, it's 9.03. We didn't real... have any time for a cream of wheat commercial. But maybe we'll make time next week. Maybe. Next week, tune in. And I'm going to promise you, maybe a cream of wheat commercial. Listen next week for cream of wheat. We might play it then. (laughs) But yeah, so uh, Ozma of Oz, uh, we've got a few more chapters of that. We have uh, about a, uh, maybe a dozen more Wormwood Forest. A bunch of Let's Pretend that we're going to get through. And uh, we're going to keep going with Jerry the Circus. And when we run out of one thing or another, we'll go to another Oz book. Or another serial, um, serialized, uh, we'll do some research and see see what kind of fun serialized yeah. stuff there was. We, we want to get to the Lassie stuff with Joe eventually, too. So. Oh, yeah. That'd be know, fun. That'll be very fun. So. Joe uh, loves his Lassie, that's yeah. for sure. But yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun tomorrow. Uh, yeah. We've got a few celebrity birthdays we'll be talking about. Uh, two in particular, I'm, I'm pretty fond of Neil Patrick Harris and Jake Busey share the same birthday as me, June 15th. And um, they were both in a movie that I love called Starship Troopers we'll talk about. And we'll talk a little bit about Isabella Russellini as a June birthday. Yeah. And um, Miles is going to be talking about the uh, historical anniversary, Custer's Last Stand. And then, of course, the rest of the show will be dedicated to uh, American International Pictures. Uh, nice. Which had a, a fun and storied uh, history of putting out good and bad movies. It's really, really fun. And, um, of course, our Twilight Zone review. But, Suze, I'll reserve the last uh, minute for you. See you, everybody. I love June. I love summer. But uh, I've got to let you all go. But... Don't forget, June 16th is the Orange 
birthday that we of the man that we should not speak his name. Yeah, stop it! Yeah. But, um, you know, June is a lovely, lovely time of the year. I also share a Gemini birthday and Gemini's rule. So, see you tomorrow. It came from Cleveland. Good night. Time for go to bed. Time for go to bed. Tennessee.